Hey guys, today on the podcast, I sat down with Chef Justin Picard, who you can find at Allegretto Resort here in Paso off the 46. We had a great conversation about his humble upbringings on the East Coast, uh, how he ended up over here in Paso Robles. Talked a bit about farm to table, uh, the best things about living here on the Central Coast, and also did a couple shout outs. Stay tuned after the episode because after Justin and I had our, our conversation, we sat down, or well, we stood and made some braised short ribs over some local egg noodles. So stay tuned for that. This whole episode was really fun. I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. Thanks, guys. So here we are, and we've kind of been chatting for a minute, and I'm here with uh, Chef Justin Picard out at Allegretto Resort here in Paso. So how's it going, Justin? Very well. Yeah. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Thanks for. We've had a long, ongoing relationship. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a. I actually talk about it on the the podcast that I, I credit. You know, me working for you is when I like got my first uh, like experience in in kind of fine dining, so to spend so yeah. to speak, and where I got to to really use my creative palate. Um, and, and learning in the kitchen, and then segueing to the front of the house and yeah. the service side of it. I mean, that was a whole couple of years. Yeah, like we were doing that together. Yeah, um, and then I mean, we even had good times in uh, Oro Grande, freaking yeah. with with that whole opening up that that restaurant. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. And then the whole thing with the waiter and and the cool tattoo. And it was oh, very stealthily, yeah, very very stealthily <laughs> no, hidden no there. Tattoos, but that one is kind of like oh. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's it's, it's below the belt. Server. Like yeah, people. People don't 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 quite notice it very very often. And then what's funny is when people do notice it, they're like, "Hey, what's that? Like, what's that?" And then I have this really like dry sense of humor where I'll say something and I won't laugh and I'll just pretend like I don't know what they're talking about. And then people that I don't know will literally grab my hand and turn my hand let over. Me see. Yeah, to be like, "Let me see what you have." And actually, <laughs> like, they're actually pretty neat tattoos. Yeah, well, they they hurt. Cool little talking point. Yeah, cool little cool little talking points. Um, so speaking of, just to, to give everybody kind of a, a backstory, could you tell me a little bit about you know what you what you're doing at the moment? You know about yourself. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> that's the added side effect. That's that, that's you that's that's screeching, that's screeching, that's yeah, screeching in. Screen, that's <laughs> <laughs> Burns out right into yeah. it. Like that. Oh, yeah, was, we gotta we gotta get that on the ringtone or something. We'll bring it back. <laughs> it reminds me of my old ringtone. That's a different story though. I don't remember that from, from the. No, day. I don't. The, my my ringtone was was uh, Eruption from Van Halen. Okay. On my very first cell phone. Yeah. So I'd be in the dining room chatting with guests. Phone would come off. It's just that, that guitar solo. <laughs> and then back then there was no like easy way to silence it, right? Like I mean, what would you do? You'd have to click the. Oh, you could. Okay. I, I wasn't that savvy when I had all those old So phones. unexpected. That's a pretty gnarly riff. Yeah. No, like almost, <laughs> almost on the same thing. Like my dad always had the intro to to Crazy Train. On yeah. on his phone, so always he'd go like all aboard and fuck ah 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 ah, ah. It's just all the time, yeah. just same thing, freaking yeah. in the in the middle of anywhere, out in the dining room. It's, yep, just blares. It's fun, a little personality, yeah, a twist. 
Uh, yeah, I could not get away with that here at Allegretto. Um, so two, two and a quarter years here. Okay. Yeah, the opening chef, uh, Eric Olson, got this place up and running and did a phenomenal job. Uh, it was a, a lot of work. Opening a resort, full-service resort from the get-go, he, he really busted a move, and I give him credits. Yeah, shout-out shout out to Eric. Freaking. Yeah. Hope you're listening, watching. We'll, we'll find you. We'll find him. Yeah. We'll find him. We'll, we'll bring it out. Yeah. Uh, so, now, you said that there's, like, the resort out here. So, like, how many... How many rooms could you? How many potentially guests do you have at a time? Like, how many rooms do you guys do here? Uh, 170 plus rooms. Okay. And we have the, the, the one main restaurant, Cello, uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then in the summertime we have the, the Owasi Pool Bar. We have a really cute little pool out in the back back corner. Pool okay. The tub. So we do simple food out of that, and room service. So full service resort, which means the menu can breakfast, lunch, dinner, room service from seven to ten. So the dynamics of what happens in the kitchen, yeah, there's a lot going on. And that's all that's all coming out of your kitchen. Out of one kitchen. Yeah. And, and banquets. We do the uh, we do weddings. We have a banquet room for 250. Okay. We have a chapel on property. Uh, we can do really cool uh, farm table in the chapel. Oh, nice. About 25 people. Yeah. Um, the chapel's just super cute. It's, it's a neat amenity. Most resorts don't have a chapel on property. Yeah. And our outdoor outdoor space is all around the property. The, the orchards and the, the olive trees, um, lots of neat venues because we have nice weather for eighty percent of the year. Oh yeah, I mean it's one of the best things about living out here. Yeah, and um, and so it was all out of one kitchen. Yeah, and I'm not a very big kitchen. So when we're pumping a weekend dinner, uh, one hundred and forty people a night. Plus yeah, we just did one hundred and forty for breakfast, and then we have a wedding going on for two hundred and fifty people. There's a lot of orchestration. Oh, yeah. I mean... It's almost easier having a smaller kitchen, because I can keep my eye on everything. <laughs> <laughs> so everything's closer together. You can watch where everything's going. I mean, you, you, it, it does seem like you have a decent-sized kitchen, but when you add all of that stuff, when you compound all of that, I mean, space is getting tight. Yeah. And yeah, com- compared to some of the places in town, yeah. um, you're going to be talking to the Hatch, one of the tiniest kitchens oh, ever. Oh, yeah. No. The kitchens I've worked in... <laughs> There's a couple of closets put together, and the walk-in is literally you can walk in, but you you, you turn around oh, and you walk out. Yeah, no, no, no. I've had I've had showers bigger than some of these kitchens. <laughs> like it, it's it's uh, insane what some of the people do. Like yeah. you know, shout out to the Hatch and everybody who's making it work with those those little kitchens and stuff. The but, yeah, so I I mean I am a little bit spoiled because there is room. I have a, a great walk-in, great freezer. Um, literally herb gardens out my back door that I I just kind of. And mow down in the summertime. Yeah. They replenish themselves every three days. Um, there's lots of bonuses and perks of being a chef here. Yeah. And I just I'm trying to tap into everything and use it all to my advantage and to the guests' advantage and have fun with it. One of one of the things you just kind of touched on is uh, how you have the the garden out here and you can get fresh herbs. And do you guys have vegetables out here too? We don't do vegetables. Just no. the, the sheer production that we would need. We yeah. Need uh, more space. We have nine acres of grapes. Which we use it for for Allegretto wines. Okay. Um, so that takes up a lot of a team real estate. Um, yeah, yeah and, in the property. And so to have gardens where I could actually we could do our own tomatoes or, or peas, I would just need the space. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say you must have this this huge garden of Eden over there yeah. that, that I just haven't. <laughs> but um, but I want to kind of touch bases on what you said right there because when I was working with you again uh, to kind of go back into those days. 
you were one of the, the first places that I worked at that like you would actually work with um, you know local local produce um, and like you would actually go to farmers market and get stuff like that and I've worked for a couple people but not a lot of people do that like you know utilize the fresh yeah the, the farm, farm to table the, the concept is great to actually execute it on a large scale on a, on a, a production scale yeah it takes a lot of work um, I know a lot of the bigger restaurants in, in the cities to the north and south actually have purchasing agents that they hit the farmer's market and they deal with, with okay to, to get enough quantity for production um, here at Little El Paso we're, we're fortunate enough that there are oh seven or eight farmers that I've made good friends with yeah that when when they've got they go to farmer's market either before or after they'll, they'll pull up in their truck and they'll go what do you want I'll say if it's after farmer's market I'll say I'll, I'll everything. <laughs> take it all yeah, yeah give me it all I'll do specials I'll figure it out if it's on the way and they have a, a bunch more than they think they can sell I'll, I'll take half of what they got and okay um, and again being little apostle it's pretty easy we, we, we can I can almost see six or eight farms from right here and so I can call them up where I could send smoke signals. <laughs> You're just yeah. out here right here from the pit. From the pit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it is, it, again, this is one of the greatest things of, of the Central Coast. Is it's it's pretty intimate. It's pretty Yeah, intimate. oh, yeah. The, you get to know people. You, you you all want to work together. You all, you're all shooting for the same cause. You're mm-hmm. trying to foster the same goodness and, and positive feeling. Food, energy, the wine, the everything. Yeah. So it's... it's uh, it's a pretty neat place to be as far as that goes. So, well, I mean, speaking of that, so what brought you actually out here? Because you're from the East Coast. New Hampshire. New Hampshire, okay. Yep. So what actually brought you out here? We'll go from now backwards. It's easier. Okay. Uh, Ten years in Paso. Ooh, congrats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've that... known about Paso since the very beginning. I call it the beginning. When Before the boom? When, like... uh, yeah, before. So about 20, 22 years ago. Okay. When uh, <laughs> Beast Girl Laurent... And Via Creek first opened downtown, right next to each other. Yeah. Downtown was, they had some pizza places, they had like Marv's and, and a lot of, half of the downtown was empty buildings. And so I discovered Paso right when, right before they opened. Yeah. I'm like, oh, cool. Some good food, because the wine was already happening. Okay. Um, the, the wine scene definitely started and, and the food scene followed. Yeah. So 20 plus years ago, I was living in San Francisco. And uh, I did a, a, with the Zap Festival, the Zinfandel Advocates and Producers Festival, I put my name in for a raffle for a six-course dinner. Not really knowing what I was getting into. I hadn't, I hadn't been down here. Yeah. And uh, Doug and Nancy Beckett from Peachy Canyon were the high bidders. Okay. So I met them. You came down to their old house in Peachy Canyon Road and did a private dinner for them at their house. Nice. So met, I met them. Twenty. Nancy, again, another yeah. shout out. Shout out phenomenal, to phenomenal people. Peachy Canyon, you know. Yeah. Shout out. Um, but they were uh, pretty much my introduction to, to this area, and I saw what was happening. And we we toured around. I think I had three days off, so we did the dinner, and we so we saw their property and saw everything. And this is a really neat area. Yeah. So I uh, I volunteered my time a couple more times for them. They had some friends down, and they were doing some promotions, so I ended up doing quite a few things with them. Um, a chef I had worked for in Colorado was invited to do a dinner at Eberly. Okay. So he called Way back then, too. So Eberly and PG Canyon have both been around 20-plus years. They're part of the, the, the original 20. Okay. There's a, the 20 wineries that started Paso Robles, 
35 years ago. Yeah. Um, and that's they call them the original 20. Okay. They're, they're sort of the gangsters. Cool. The, yeah. the OG 20? Yeah. Only one of them. Um, and so it's cool. A chef that I worked for in Colorado was invited to do dinner at Everly. Okay. I, knew I was here, so he called me. I hadn't seen him in five years, so we met up at Everly, did dinner down in the cave. Um, and again, I just I fell in love with the place even more. Yeah. So I was living in San Francisco. Uh, I'd been there for about five years, working working right downtown at Barcadero One, and was doing weekend trips down here, just to come check it out, to hang out, to meet people. Yeah, especially when you get that little taste, and you got two great tastes. I mean, yeah, I you got, got... I, I've met some really neat people. Yeah, to help immerse me in this whole this whole society. And then when the two restaurants open, it's like this has a lot of potential. Yeah. Um, so that that was my introduction. 22 years ago to Paso Okay Been here for 10 years uh, Prior to that 10 years I have a, a house up in the Sierras Nice Yeah uh, A little ski area called Bear Valley Ski Area Shout out to Bear Valley Shout out to, <laughs> shout, <laughs> We're bringing it We want to show love to everybody well, Not Big Bear But Bear Valley Bear Valley Okay yeah. uh, So what, what Down south kind of you're, you're stomping ground. What, yeah, well, yeah, I've been to Big Bear plenty of time. Yeah. Uh, so, what type of things would you do out in the Sierras? Like, is there is there a big cooking scene out there? Like, out in Bear Valley? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> just skiing um, and wild game. Like, I, well, I, so I, I I bought a house while I was living in the Bay Area. Okay, there. I'm a ski bum at heart. Really? Endless endless winter. Okay. I actually thought about doing endless winter. Doing no, like here like, and then going down to Chile, and skiing down there or New Zealand. Okay. And just. Just ski. Yeah. I, I love the snow. I love skiing. So I bought a house up there so I could ski and uh, ended up moving up there full time for 11 years. So I made the switch from five years in the Bay Area to little tiny Bear Valley, population 250. Woo! And I figured I, I don't want to deal with the restaurant because it's so seasonal, but I've done a lot of catering and I figured I'll open my own catering business. Yeah. And it started off, uh, it started off good. There was I think I've actually seen one of those cards. Yeah, I think I think from you altitude catering. Yeah, I think I think I've seen one of those. <laughs> yep. Um, so down in the foothills, down in Murphy's, there's a lot of wineries, and they were fledgling wineries. And so I started petitioning the wineries, say, "Hey, let's do wine dinners at your winery." Okay. With your wine club, it's a great way to grow your wine club. Uh, get your word out there. We'll do these dinners. It's a local thing, and then it spreads and it spreads. And so I hooked up with five of the wineries with my catering company doing private wine dinners, and it, it took off after a couple of years. That allowed my catering business to, to just blow up into from a, a part-time one or two gigs a month to every weekend to almost you know I could pick and choose yeah then it just, then it just became so abundant yeah. just full-time yeah. pretty much but it took a nice break from from the kitchen lifestyle um, ski in the winter drove snow cats cross-country ski area okay <laughs> tractors snow cats bulldozers okay lots of power um, to like shovel snow out of the way, or like what are those for? The the snowcats do the grooming. They okay. Groom the, the the ski area mountains, and we have a 100k of cross country ski trails. Okay. Third largest system on the west coast. In Bear Valley. Yep. Oh, nice. So there's the the, the downhill mountain and also the cross country, and so I get up at three in the morning after a snow day, go drive through three or four feet of powder in a snowcat. Yeah. Grooming the trails, packing it all down. Okay. Making corduroy, making the they they set the little lanes for striding 
Okay. I haven't seen that unless you've done custom. No, cars. no, I haven't. Basically, playing with uh, 1,100 foot pounds of torque and an unstoppable snowcat. It's, it's just pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, in the winter, I got into, or in the summertime, I got into construction because I, I like doing stuff with my hands. Uh, the house I grew up in in New Hampshire, my my parents worked with the contractor and built. Okay. And so I was always interested in that. Yeah. And so I got involved with uh, basically building high-end multi-million dollar custom homes. And so I, I did that in the summers until my catering business got busy enough, and then I, I slowed down with that, and I started catering more. Yeah. But uh, I almost got my, my general contractor's license when I was there. Really? Yeah, I was doing a lot of freelance, a lot of side work, a lot of owner building. Do you make the chairs? I, no, that's that's a little lower end. I, I mean, I mean, make these, that's these, that's these not are, lower end. These chairs are very nice. No, these are pretty cool. These are. Yeah. They, I think you actually told me weren't these the ones that were made of the wine barrels? Or no? Yeah. yeah. These are all staves. Yep. You can see the little little groups. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, and they got the nice like like arch yeah. to them. Um, but dude, I mean, you got you might be the whole package, and you can build <laughs> build an amazing house and a six course dinner. Just there we go. Straight. But I've I've, I've always loved cooking. So going a little more backstory. I, okay. I, I grew up so. Grew up in Hampshire when I was seven and a half. My parents opened a restaurant. Oh. Um, coastal New England, fine dining. And my dad was a chef. My mom was in front of the house. And so when I was a little squirt, I'd go in on Saturday and do prep next to my dad. Nice. The best thing ever. Yeah. Little guy in the kitchen, working with dad. Yeah. My idol. And, you know, you said... No, same simple, thing. Simple yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, and so that evolved, and, you know, through high school, I was working Friday Saturday and the morning, and then uh, I think junior and senior year I was working on grill. I was working like five nights a week. Yeah. Uh, and so the Culinary Institute of America seemed like a pretty obvious choice. Next step. Cool. Yeah, that's oh, the next step in it. Signed up for that. Did I did uh, half the program at CIA? I, I didn't graduate. No. no. Doesn't always turn out. I mean, <laughs> a lot of. You do six months there and then you do a six month intern okay and then you go back for six months the first six months really cool they put you through all the kitchens lots of education uh of, of some soups and sauces and butchery and charcuterie and then asian kitchen fish kitchen okay so you really learn a lot and especially if you already have a good a good basis i just sucked up like a sponge every bit i i, I was familiar with but i just learned more and more yeah they kind of took you to the extra steps yeah. to through extra levels of everything. Yeah, things because I grew up in in that kitchen, my parents' kitchen. Yeah, I knew all that, which was a great background. But then they just exposed you a lot more. The the second half of school is uh, pastries, which. So did you make it to the intern? So I did my internship. Where'd you do an inter- internship I, at? I, I decided to go out to Aspen. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, November, so me and three classmates road tripped out there. Now, was that more for, like, skiing, or well, was, it, was that already a passion yeah, skiing back then? Already, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was my that was my fix even back then. Okay. Um, the opportunity to go to go live in Aspen, work at the renowned Hotel Jerome. Okay. If you know Mountain Towns or anything, Hotel Jerome has been around since the 1800s. Ooh. Super cool place. Uh, so that's where I did my intern. Same chef? Uh, no, no. You're okay. chef. <laughs> okay, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then to go and then ski, ski at Aspen Mountain. Yeah, Aspen's pretty cool. The mountain comes straight down to the town. Yeah, I know. I've actually seen it in movies. I've never I've never yeah. been there, but I've 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 so seen we, visuals we, of it. We'd ski all day and put your skis in your back and walk to work in our ski boots, and then change into, into the duds right there. Nice. Yeah. 
It's kind of like cooking on the beach. You can go surf and then just come right back. Yeah, you know? the yeah. shack, shower off a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> a little bird bath. Yeah, sand in the tacos. It's all right. Um, and, and so Hotel Jerome segued into. I was asked to open a restaurant for. Uh, oh, while you're interning? Yeah, so it's coming up at the end of my internship. Okay. Sous chef there at the Jerome left because he was helping helping the chef open a restaurant, uh, and this this chef is. Pretty well world renowned. He's a small name, so to toss his name out, no one would recognize him. But Charles Dale has been side by side and and friends with Julia Child, and Jacques Pepin. I mean, he's he's yeah. he's up there in that that realm. Well, shouts out to Chef Dale. I mean, right? Is that what? Char- Charles Dale? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Shout out, Charles. Shout out. Hey. <laughs> I'll send this to you. Yeah. Um, he was opening a restaurant, and he needed three people. So we had the sous chef from the drone. We needed two more people. So the sous chef had seen me work at the drone. He was like, you want to come do this? I'm like, you know, go back I'd go back to school and work in their restaurants, which, you know, great experience. And I learned pastry and wine. But go back to school for that semester and, and that much money. Or this opportunity. Nice coattails yeah. and, and see what happens. And so I decided not to go back to school. So Renaissance uh, opened top 10 small restaurants in the country a couple years back to back okay uh, great accolades everywhere I got to meet it's, it's Aspen so seeing celebrities was like you just yeah it's, everybody's it's there it's so commonplace yeah you just yeah. they're just other people that's why they want to be there because they don't get treated special um, but the chefs that would come through and the opportunities that that opened up for me and the the the, the level of cuisine was, was something I had seen but I had never actually dabbled in okay so my parents restaurant fine dining east coast a little different than one of the top 10 small restaurants in the country in Aspen yeah we were putting out some super cool food and uh, and, and talk about a tiny kitchen <laughs> another little closet very intimate but uh, the stuff we pulled off was, was amazing and so I had a, a really great go of that um, worked in a few other restaurants in Aspen kind of moved around and, and had a lot of fun with that and then got the bug for something completely different. So me and my buddy, after four years in Colorado, let's, what's the opposite of living at 9,000 feet in the snow? Let's go find horrible... Okay. Let's go put our toes in the sand. Yeah. So uh, my, my buddy and I... I think everybody has that dream, you know? Yeah. Well, in cooking, you can cook anywhere in the world. Yeah. Literally, you want to go to France? You can get a job in France. Yeah. You want to go to, to South South Africa? Man. So we wanted to go somewhere warm near the equator. And uh, through through a connection, and actually a, a chef from Colorado, who had just become the executive chef on an island called Saipan. Okay. He needed to staff up his kitchen. So we got a job out in Saipan. Nice. 100 miles north of Guam. Yeah. Middle of nowhere. And so how did... Four miles by 14 miles. Which is about that big. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was man. tiny. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, about half the size of this resort. I mean, <laughs> oh, man. Like, and it, it, it's it, the it parking was, lot. <laughs> it was very Hawaii-esque, but, but like, on a much smaller scale. There was a whole side that had resorts on it. Oh, okay. Probably probably 10 resorts. So, like, he wasn't opening up a restaurant in the middle of nowhere. Like, there no, was actually... It was established. Okay. And they, these were full-on... Uh, so Hawaii style resorts, but 
top it out of 200 rooms. Okay. So they're, they're a little small. But really cool pools. Didn't, did you get to stay, like, in the resort life, or did you have to live in, like, a shack? Like... No, I mean, put us in a tin, a tin shack. Okay. <laughs> it was just like rock in the hurricanes and. Uh, no, it blow apart in the hurricanes. <laughs> 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 I mean, well, see, no, see, you might, you might have got brought on because you're general contracting. Like, you might have got brought on for that. You know, they, they saw that. They're like, oh, the shack's gonna get blown up. I need to fix some shacks. I, yeah, I need to do that. Yeah, that was much before my contracting. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I, part of the desire is, I, I grew up with. European flavors, yeah, primarily French and Italian, and that's my background. Um, and, I, and I love it. I, I love Italian cuisine, Mediterranean cuisine. Italian's kind of limiting, but man, that's what I've done with the menu here, from Spain all the way to Turkey. Anything Mediterranean, Ooh, nice. So it's fun. But I, I was getting a little burnt out on it. And leaving New Hampshire, there was not a ton of Asian food. So again, I'm, I'm like 18, 19, mm-hmm. and as I started traveling, I'm like. I love sushi and, and I tried some Thai food. And so part of moving out there was to get experience with those cuisines. Yeah. So from Saipan, it's about a four-mile flight to anywhere in the Pacific Rim. Um, and all the employees at the resort and on, on the island were from the Pacific Rim. So I learned firsthand great Thai food, great Korean food, tons of Japanese okay. tips and techniques. Kind of just for my own palate. I didn't really plan on working in a Thai restaurant or a Japanese restaurant. Yeah. But I would learn all this stuff, so when I go home, I can. No, you can know. Yeah, you have you have all these tools in your bag. I can, I can change uh, things for me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you, you have to enjoy eating. Oh yeah. And food is fun, and there's different food all around the world, and so I want to learn some of that. So. Yeah. That's still, still my go-to. It's funny when I when whenever I go out, um, I go see my fiance down in Dana Point. Okay. We, we always do Asian. No, I mean, that one of my earliest memories of learning, you know, from you and, and cooking with you is Pacific Rim-influenced stuff. And uh, you've actually, you know, talked about, you know, going over there to cook, like young chefs, you know, could do that, who wants to do that. And this is my first time actually, you know... Uh, Shouts out to that guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to cut all the shouts, and I'm just going to make a video. It's going to be shout out, shout out, shout out. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, actually like the first time you have actually hearing the story of of you you know, going over there. So how long did you actually stay? Is that the only place you worked at over there, or did you? I, I did uh, a year and a half in Saipan. Okay. And, uh, it's kind of neat. It was a, it's an American-owned resort. It's American territory. The menu, the chef had a 30-day menu, and so each... Each day, each dinner, breakfast and lunch were, were kind of the same. Yeah. Uh, all the clientele was basically from the Pacific Rim. Lots of Japanese and, and Chinese, and so they like a different breakfast and a, a Western breakfast. Okay. So we did a little mix of a breakfast. Um, about 400 guests per meal period, but dinner was was from a different a different cuisine around the world for 30 days. Oh, and cool. We'd, we'd repeat and we do it again. Yeah. So we had a lot of fun. You got a lot, lot to do, and that's yeah. that. That's always good, especially like you said when you're getting kind of burnt on, yeah. on a style. And I run I went out. I was hired as a pastry chef. My buddy was hired as a <laughs> okay. sous chef in the kitchen. I was hired as a pastry chef. Yeah. They, I did not go to back to school for pastry. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. You kind of. <laughs> but I uh, at at Renaissance, the little restaurant I opened. Uh, I I got a, a year and a half of tutelage from his pastry chef. Yeah. So I was pretty competent, uh, with pretty much. With, with everything, but not on a hotel scale, a small restaurant scale. So I went out there and taught myself 
a whole different type of, of pastry cooking. And it was, it was a buffet uh, for lunch and dinner. Yeah. Massive buffet. Probably 40 items on it. 2.30. 2.30, hitting. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty Thank neat. Thank you. Thanks, Amber. <laughs> she, she, she called the bell in. <laughs> um, yeah, so I taught myself pastries on a, on a large scale. Okay. Which is pretty cool. And so a year and a half in Saipan and then almost a year on Guam. Ooh. So Guam was about 32 miles, almost in a circle. Yeah. It was huge. So you're getting, yeah. <laughs> that was a new world, man. Yeah. It took more than 15 minutes to drive from tip to tip. You can uh, no longer skateboard from end to end. No. Was, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was a, a Japanese-owned resort there. We had four four food outlets. So we had a full-on, really nice Japanese restaurant. Okay. So I was just picking their brain all the time and playing with food with them and trying their food. Yeah. I was a chef of the, the Continental Restaurant. Okay. Um, so again, I do kind of that rotating menu theory. We do b- big, lavish brunches, and, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Those those typical resort brunches with the sushi bar over here, and, the, and then a ton of Japanese cuisine, and, yeah. and the, the raw bar. And so you're just making like a, a, a large quantity of good food, just a lot of different. Yeah, very high end. And again, uh, Guam was a little bit bigger. <laughs> we had a couple, maybe 300 rooms. So a little larger scale, but still compared to the big resorts, it wasn't that big. It was, yeah. It was pretty intimate. Um, yeah, so that was just a great education travel process. We're um, kind of to kind of go backwards a little bit. Where was like the first time you actually? Do you remember like creating your first special or creating your first menu? Like where? Where exactly did that take place? Uh, it, it, definitely in my teens. Back in my oh really? Before. Nice. Because I had I started when I was seven. seven yeah, you're seven and a half. You're in there standing on a milk hey, crate. I'm, I'm, I'm doing brunches. By the time I'm 13, I'm doing Friday and Saturday night, and so I, I was getting bored with the food. <laughs> yeah. And so I started kind of branching out and trying some different flavors. Okay. Uh, way back then, the first thing I made. I don't know. Well, I mean, I recall that fir- that first memory, but I remember wanting more. Yeah. Um, than that typical New England cuisine, which, which again was, was a, a, an upscale restaurant. Well, I mean, yeah, because New England, it was you know we had like six different types of seafood, broiled or fried. Okay. Steaks, <laughs> broiled or fried. Broiled or fried. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and po- a handful of pasta dishes. I'm like, I want to do more. I want to experiment more and start playing with with different flavors. Yeah. I mean, well, at that point, you're eight years or so in. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So you got, you pretty much got all that down, especially when you're that young. You're soaking up everything. Everything's brand new. Yeah. Um, and the, the food chain was starting to, the food scene was changing a little bit in New England. So there, there were some more cutting edge and, and a little bit of different flavors coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in New Hampshire. New Hampshire is pretty far north. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just a lot of ice. A lot, a lot of ice, yeah. Most people didn't make it north of Boston. No. <laughs> no, no, you guys can stay up. Um, yeah, and then, and then just the, the, the travel and, and realizing people eat all around the world. Yeah. And then that, opening that idea of, like, I can go anywhere in the world. I can, I can travel anywhere and get a job. I, when I go on vacation, I like to go for a, a month. I hate, like, a seven-day vacation. Yeah. Because you're stressed and it's hurried. And so to go for a month and immerse yourself in the culture and, and maybe even pick up a little job or have a connection from someone you know mm-hmm. so you can stay in a, in a homestay or someone's house 
and use that as a base and, and really get to know the area makes it pretty special. Yeah, you actually... You can soak up so much more. Yeah, actually learn so much more. Because then when you're on like a seven-day thing, like your first days are, are adjusting and then your last days are getting ready to leave and it's... Yeah. it's what happened in the middle? Yeah, it's just here and gone. too much wine in one day? Yeah, the middle's one day. The middle's just too much wine and, yeah. and then it's all, it's all over in a... Flash. In a yeah. flash, what do you? Uh, is there any like specific hardships you can remember, like encountering in the restaurants that you didn't foresee when you were envisioning this? Boy, it, well, you, you know the lifestyle. Yeah. Part, part of it's not so much a hardship, but part of why we do this is that crave for stress and depression. Yeah, the love for the crazy or yeah. the. Um, there's nothing better than a, a cranking Saturday night, Saturday yeah. night dinner. No, yeah. And service is going. You're pumping the food out, and it, it's hot and it's hectic. And you're like, am I prepped? Do I have enough food for this? All my guys are working on point. Yeah. Um, that's what, That's why we do this. And most people are like, nuts. Yeah. No, they don't get it. Yeah. There's because there's this. There's like this intimate moment where like when you're in the zone and everything's just going right. Yeah. You know, you have all your all your preps, all your preps lined up. Tickets are coming in. Tickets are going out. Yeah. You know, things are just going smooth. Organized chaos. Yeah. And everything stays organized because there's a lot happening, and as long as it, it all just stays in that organized chaotic state, um, that's why we all do it. Yeah. There's the, the, obviously the passion for food and for flavors, but that rush is uh, it's it's sort of this, that, that's that that undertone that rush is why we. Yeah, there's something that like unspoken that they don't. It's not. It's not on the Craigslist ad. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not on the ad or the job description. Yeah. But and it's, it's not glamorous. It's not the showy part of it. But it's the real. That's the, the true, real gritty part of it. Yeah. Just get in there and, and do a battle, and then coming out at the end going. Oh, oh yeah. Served 180 people and, and everyone's stoked. Yeah. No, there's such a camaraderie. There's such a family. Like yeah. with with everybody in the restaurant, everybody in the kitchen. Like there's, you 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 get you make this like you know brotherhood of and. Yeah. Everybody's family. It's, like It's family. Yeah. We're in the kitchen a lot more than we're with our family. And uh, a regular nine-to-five job, eight hours. Yeah. I mean, eight no, hours eight hours. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> eight hours. I mean, I'd love to do that. Yeah. 12, 14, you're like, okay, that's about normal. Yeah. Yeah. Then you get the longer ones. <sighs> that happens. Longer ones are fun. They make good memories, though. You know? Like the... Yeah, there's always a, there's always a story. Yeah. There's always... I remember we were making... Chipino for that event until two in the morning. Yeah, yep. yeah. Up late nights, prepping, freaking, getting everything ready. Especially right now, like with the holidays, uh, you know, getting getting special menus ready. Uh, those are always stressful, but but yeah. But at the end, you know, just the same amount of of like satisfaction that you get yeah. from actually completing it. Uh, yeah, having just gone through Thanksgiving, we had a, we had a great four day weekend. Uh, fun, just a fun menu. It was not a complete seasonal menu, but it was it was curtailed to the holiday yeah um, and we ran it and everything was super smooth it was, it was a lot of fun we got big menu changes coming up right now it's a lot of work but getting through all that work and then getting a new menu and have it, having it just take off and be successful is uh, it's, again another reason why we do it do you, do you have a go to somebody who's like never had your cooking somebody you want to do something special for or maybe just yourself it's, it's, it's you're tired what's your go to then you never get tired of eating. My my go well pizza. Pizza? Oh, so that's it. Yeah, hot. that's an easy yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thick, thick or thin? Okay. Hot, cold, breakfast. Thick or thin? Or thin? I, I, what? Pizza in general. Yeah. Um, 
Definitely my favorite is what we do here, just a traditional Neapolitan. Oh, Neapolitan, yeah. I mean, once I had that, once it was explained to me about the sauce and the bread and how the, the dough is really like, the dough and the sauce are like two of the most uh, important parts of, of it. Everything else is just a nuance. Yeah. You get some, the good tomato flavor, you get some good crust. And I, I always tell my guys, keep it in, let it bubble, and let it burn a little bit. Yeah, you want the little char on there. You got to get a little yeah. more because it adds that... that extra edge of, of crunch and, and oh, saltiness. And then you just get to eat it like a savage. You just rip it and yeah, roll it. It's, it's getting it out. It's yeah. getting hot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pizza definitely right there. Pizza's, pizza's a good go-to. And number one. I mean... On, don't put this on, but Velveeta mac and cheese. Don't, <laughs> yeah, that's... The, <laughs> you gotta have a spot for that. <laughs> yeah. on, on Monday after... You know, work the weekend, I'm just chilling with, with, with my son on Monday. We're like, oh... Mac and cheese, yeah, we hop yeah. it up. Yeah, a little charred broccoli. Oh, little, uh, little. Okay. Little, you know, seared chorizo or something in there. Nice. Nothing to escalate it, but Velveeta shells, mac and cheese. Yeah, I'm not so good to myself. I just I eat a pack of top ramen every now and again. <laughs> I don't know what it is about a pack of top ramen that that's got a special place in yeah. my heart. I don't know. Yeah. I definitely do a lot better now, like with the soft egg in there and a lot of spinach and kale. I have greens. Yeah, I definitely hype it up, but for some reason, there's some. Yeah. Well, my, my my boy's 16 and a half. I'm like, oh, Josh is getting old, man. Holy smokes. Yeah, he's been taller than me for, for eight years now. I mean. <laughs> but some, some life lessons. I'm like, Josh, when you get out in the world, and especially. In off season in Colorado, yeah, I really learned that everything shuts down for two months in Colorado. Go for four months, everything closes for two months, and then you go for four months, and then so spring and fall. What do you do in those two months? Road trip. Oh, Save nice. Save your money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You road trip and you eat cheap. Um, and and ramen was essential for that. Yeah. But figuring out how to make ramen fun, so I've taught him ramen, taught yeah. him mac and cheese. But then, let's make ramen good, like you're saying. You put an egg on it. Let's let's make it a little more authentic. Yeah. Get a whole bunch of greens in there and a bunch of cilantro and basil chopped. Oh yeah. Make a little. little Dude, fresh it. herbs. Yeah, fresh herbs go a long way. 20, Twenty-four cents for that package, and then you get a little bit of herbs and stuff. Whoop. Yeah. It's pretty good. There, there you are. You're welcome, Joshua. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the next the the next addition to this will have to be you know broke cooking. Well, so what done right? Uh, you broke cooking's a good one. Um, I'm gonna do a chef's table. Okay. One of our banquet rooms. It's got a farm table. We can fit 14 people. And, you have two uh, farm tables here. Well, the, or the same one. It's in a different room. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I want to do a chef's table, where maybe we'll invite somebody from the community, a winemaker, mm-hmm. a distiller, just him and his guest, and so we'll sort of talk about or we'll use some of his product, or a farmer, anybody, but not like a wine dinner, not where we're doing flights of wine. We'll just have someone of interest in the room. Another 12 people, and it'll be whatever we want to cook. So me and my sous chefs. Yeah. And one of my ideas was, what's our favorite food? So no menu. It's uh, mostly tastings, like nine, ten courses. Okay. Small courses. And we'll just keep sending it out. No menu. Yeah. It's a total surprise. You want to yeah. sign up for the chef's table? Yeah, that'd be... What are we doing? Oh, we're going to have... Uh, Justin's hitters. Like, you know, well, Justin's well, home runs. Well, yeah. Nancy, and so we'll do some <laughs> Zinfandel with one or two courses. Besides that, we can do whatever we want. Yeah. And and that's for us to play. We'll do we'll do a seafood night. We'll do any number of themes. I have a whole list of them. I have to just get it executed and start rolling. So hopefully next year we'll we'll, we'll do that. Do you ever do you ever find uh do you ever find staleness in creativity? No. 
I, I, I dig that. Again, <laughs> knock if you're with me. That's why I open up the menu here uh, to be Mediterranean. Yeah. When they opened initially, it was it was Italian, and I've done I've just done so many forms of Italian. Uh, true Roman, Northern. I've worked with with some Sicilians, and it's fun. But I'm like, let's let's go. Let's go. You gotta expand it. Yeah. Gotta... And with the with the feel of Allegretto, <coughs> it's definitely Italian villa, but. There's a lot more happening here, and uh, so I said, let's let's go literally straight to Gibraltar, all the way to Turkey. We'll have Italy in the middle as a punctuation mark. Yeah. But then they, it opens it up, and uh, I love picture cookbooks. Okay. You can open up a, a book and see one great picture, and it brings back a, a thousand memories. You're like, oh. I think I'll, I'll put this with this, and I remember dig, dig something way up from the past. Yeah. And you look at another picture, and you're like, oh, and I'll put these together. Yeah. So it's the sky's the limit. I, I, I've never gotten bored. I've never, I've never not enjoyed going to work. That's that's the it's pretty huge. That's one of the big keys, especially when you're doing something creative. Yeah. Um, and when you're doing it for 12 or 14 hours a day. Yeah. You better, you better be happy. Yeah, you better you better have a reason to be here because, I mean, most most of the times when you're here 12, 14 hours a day, you're on you know salary, so you're making you're making your. Yeah, it, to, it hurts to break it down. Yeah, no, but it, but it's worth it. Like I mean, to have something that you love to do, to have something that you're passionate about. Yeah. I definitely. I mean, I, before my time of actually like getting in and and going for it, I've definitely had some jobs that I that I hated, and cooking has never really you know been one of them uh I, don't get me time don't get me wrong there's been times where i've hated having to go to work because that's my own doing you know going to work like hungover or something <laughs> but aside from that there's never really been a day that i hated yeah yeah it is it's definitely sometimes tough to, to peel yourself out of the, out of the like in the beginning of chef yeah oh yeah <laughs> dude he's in the car yeah no never us no no Shouts out to Clean Cooks. Um, <laughs> the oh, I had something I wanted to say about that. Oh, okay, are we? Uh, We're five okay. Well, I mean, yeah. But I mean, are we kind of winding? Yeah, I can talk a little bit about my my cooking philosophy. Kind of going into that whole what you just started. Yeah. I've gotten tired of what you're doing. Uh, okay. Yeah, well, real, before sorry, before you jump down that. So, how when when you are thinking of a dish to make, do you start somewhere, or do you just kind of let let ideas manifest, and then do you like kind of start something and then come back to it later, or do you just hammer down one item at a time? Like, is there a process to the madness? Because I mean, you've been you've been successful for for quite some time now. Um, you know, so is there is there a, a method to the madness, or you just kind of let it happen organically? It's basically just a whim. Yeah. Uh, what's what's seasonal? That's like I was saying with the farmers market. When when uh, Vanessa what, from what she had, from you had, Zoe, you were doing. Yeah. She she'd pull up at the farmers market with everything she didn't sell. I'm like, yeah, yeah, give it to me. It's ours now. Like, and, so that, and so that was the the, the starting point. Um, you know. It's kind of fun seeing market trends, seeing what's going on. Like, oh, I'm able to dabble with this or that. Um, but seasonality and, and local, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stick local because it's it's good for the environment, it's good for the economy. Yeah. It tastes better. Giving back, it's... Right. So that, that plays a, a big part of it. But right now with this menu change, I've got 
literally breakfast, lunch, and dinner all going on at the same time. Yeah. I'm like, I just might want to do this. I want to try that. And so we'll special it. We'll, we just, I just wing it. Yeah. I'll talk to my sous chefs. I'm like, what do you guys like? What do you want to do? Let's, let's play with this. Yeah. I'll talk to the, the front of the house staff. What's your favorite food? Yeah, input, so, input. Like, put something out. I'm like, well, I could work with that. Yeah. I'll try something and run with it. Um, yeah, that's how that's how the magic happens. And then especially there's like... It's all, it's all magic. It's all, it's all magic. It's all... <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all just on the fire. But so did you uh, did you have something that you want to touch on f- philosophy? Um, yeah, and, and uh, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll mention Drew, and we can. Of course, and, yeah, no, no, yeah. Um, whatever, whatever we got going on, it's content, yeah. content, you know. It's, yeah, and, and uh, he, he actually probably enjoyed talking to him too. So there's a, a local gentleman named Drew Hudson. Shouts out to Drew Hudson. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's been involved with the Food Network for quite a while. Very successful producer director. And uh, we're starting up a show called The Chef Next Door. And I'm actually working on my intro for that show. And a big part of what I, what I teach my guys, uh, what I tell my staff, is, is you got to have the passion for what you do. And where does the passion come from? And how do you drive the flavors? What's your, what keeps you going? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, some people it's just a job. Some people it's a job that they love and they want to keep going higher and higher. Uh, and, and so tapping into that passion is what makes you do this why do you love cooking why do you love food and it definitely weeds out the weak from the strong yeah and then sort of breaking it down to, to again is it playing with local stuff that is the freshest and the tastiest you can get and just, just being blown away by the simplicity with that is it having the herb garden right up back um, where fresh herbs are such a huge part of, of, of my food yeah it really changes no, the dynamics I... of, of they take it from eh to wow. Yeah. Just with a little bit of... It's easy, real quick. Yeah. It's... Yep. And it's, it's again, stuff you can literally have in your, your window box outside your house. Yeah. Oh. I mean, most of them grow like weeds. Yeah. Like, most of them grow like weeds. I mean, yeah. mint, mint grows, <laughs> grows like crazy. You got mint on, on a bunch of stuff that most people don't think about. It's better. It's more than just toothpaste and whatever those little chocolate bars are. I can't <laughs> I can't think of those mint, mint bites. Uh, Andy's candies. Yeah. Is that what it is? <laughs> Andy's, it is Andy's on the mountains. Andy's mountains. I thought you were talking about my candies. Andy's mountains. That's yeah. right. Um, okay, and, so and putting that passion. Yeah. Loving what you do. So okay, it tastes good. Ponder on it for a second. A little more, a little more acid, a little more salt, a little bit of herbs. Um, you can tell when you go to a restaurant if they're going through motions or if there's actually some love in it. Yeah. And that's what I tell my guys. You get those ones that. that really want to keep going all my guys I say you got to put love into it or don't even bother but it's that little extra bit that little extra thought of what's it need to, to you know say take it to 11 yeah how can I take this one it's good but it would be really good and it's that, that moment of thought a moment of reflection a moment of picking someone else's brain here takes this what's it need yeah and then all of a sudden you, 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 you something good and just brought it to 11 yeah mind blown it's yeah. and you can literally have that. Too. Yeah, you... simplicity is is uh, sometimes your savior. Mm-hmm. Too many things going on and it's too busy. Yeah, um, yeah. Just letting, letting again. That's where the herbs, the simplicity, of them let them shine. Bam. Yeah. The um, so with with your 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 show that you're starting the chef next door. Uh-huh. What um what do you have like a specific thing or is that what you want to give people the passions? Is that what you want to. Try to try to shine, or is there? 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still putting it all together. Yeah, I've talked and, and I want. That's definitely a good start. The fact that was it's primarily for the home chef. Okay. So that a lot of things are approachable. Yeah. So don't be intimidated by something you see or something you've tried, because again, if you take it down and make it simple, somebody you don't do the whole dish. You just oh, I'm gonna do like on a, we're gonna do this part, episode, we're just an entree or short ribs. yeah, nice. Super simple. You sear them. You season them. You sear them. You cook them for three hours. Yeah. People are like, "That's it, really?" Yeah. Basically, that simple. Then you come up with some pasta, some sides, whatever. Um, make it approachable. Make it fun. Because cooking's gonna be fun too. You, you can't go into the kitchen. No, all tense. You can't hate it. This. If you go, if you go into something like it's a workout or something that you're gonna hate, you're not gonna, right, yeah. you're not gonna enjoy it. Yeah. So getting that that emphasis is fun. And uh, yeah, putting a little love into it. Yeah. Like a little salt and pepper. A little salt and pepper goes a long way. It does. Yeah, that's that's the that's the, the one of the basics. Yeah. So that's what I try to emphasize, and I'm just trying to figure out how to how to work it into the, the structure of the show. Cool. So I mean, that's exciting. I'm yeah. excited about it. Yeah. And then I, I uh, we were kind of talking about earlier. You said that you were you're featured in a couple other things. I mean, do you want to kind of shed some light on those or? Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Drew's a very smart man. Again. Shouts out. <laughs> he, he just launched the first uh, edition of his online magazine called Art and Wine Magazine. Okay. And uh, Where can people find that? Artandwinemagazine.com. Okay. Yes. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah. I watched the first episode, and, and he did a really good job. It is everything Central Coast-based, uh, from, from restaurants, winemakers, distillers. He's out in Morro Bay with an a, a adventure sailor. Um, yeah, I'm still, I still want to get in on that. Custom, I mean, yeah, so. custom design a, a sailing trip. If you yeah. want to go for a day cruise, if you want to do a couple days, stuff that I, I didn't even, you know, Central Coast has so much to offer, and that's what he's, he's, he's harvesting. So it's a half-hour show, and it's just stuff in the Central Coast. Yeah. And so my little debut is just a half, a, a, a five-minute cooking blurb at the end. So cool. I'm part of that. That, uh, that first edition. Yeah, the first I mean, drop. Yeah, I don't know if you, I don't know if anybody's ever had a first edition Spider Man, but I think I think they're <laughs> they're pretty valuable right now. Uh-huh. So yeah, you're onto something. I'll give you a signature later. All right. <laughs> Wait, I'll get the autograph. Sorry. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and he's got he has a bunch of other ventures. So we'll sort of waiting to see where, where that all goes. Okay. And like you're doing your editing. Yeah. He's doing a lot of editing, and I, he's got he's got some people working for him too. Cool. Really, really cool what you're starting, what you're doing. Yeah, I'm trying, you know, just to... Congratulations. Heck yeah, thank yeah. you. That's Freaking... A, it's a, it's, a, it's a, a bold venture to sort of delve into. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that the... The the market has shown that there's there's so much uh, uh, area for it. Like, the, if, if you have something you feel like you want to say and you want to get out, or you feel like you want to do a podcast or you want to... Yep. Start something online. Uh, it's it's pretty easy to do, and there's a lot of. I think if you have something to say, yeah, people yeah. people will see that. If you have something, they will come. Yeah, and if you have something that you put your heart into, I think I think we're just yeah. trying to take this up to eleven. You know, yeah. as there you go. as my man Justin McCard right here just mentioned. <laughs> but I mean, I think that we're kind of. Yeah. Winding down on this. Uh, thanks for. I hope that was enough content. Oh yeah, dude. This was great. Uh, you know, thanks for thanks for being here and. And then we just have to get together and cook. Oh yeah. We'll cook something. Well, dude, I'm I'm really down to to do that. Kind of the same. It'll be like a. A little reunion. A, a, a reunion. <laughs> but. 
the chef's talking chop or a little a little preview of what to yeah to what to what to come what to expect but sweet man thanks justin and Absolutely. i guess you know we are out <laughs> bye guys Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Chef's Talking Chop. I'm here again for my second time with uh, Chef Justin McCarr. Thanks for having me, man. Nice to have you back. Uh, Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. Pleasure. So, uh, could you kind of let us all know here what you got going down for us? Yeah, we had a great time chatting last time. Now we're doing a little cooking. Uh, braised boneless beef short ribs. It's a mouthful. Yeah. yeah. Burgundy braised boneless beef short ribs. Short ribs are a ton of fun to cook. They're really easy. They can be intimidating. Braising at home can be like, it takes three hours. Well, how do I do it? Yeah. The proper procedure to set up, uh, you put it in the oven for three hours, you pull it out, you're you're done. You're ready to eat. It's like a pressure cooker or, or okay. uh, the crock pots. Yeah. It's, it's basically crock pot cooking. It's all about the, the initial preparation and getting all the flavors in there so it's sitting in that pot doing its thing. Okay. And all the flavors leach out and meld together. Yeah. So we're starting off with, actually we get this cool burner. Um, this is an induction burner, not an open flame burner, it's electric. It operates on mag magnetics. Okay. So you need a certain pan, usually an Altai or a thick bottom pan. Yeah. And the cool thing about these, you can in your house, you can have them outside, inside. There's no flame, so you don't need a hood system like in a professional situation. Yeah. But you take the pan off and this thing shuts off. You can see that's, that's it's, pretty hot. It's pretty hot, yeah. Within 15 or 20 seconds, you can put your hand on there. Oh, back in. It, it cools off just like that. Okay. The pan stays hot because it's got, you know, it's got some mass. <laughs> but you put it back on within 30 seconds. This pan is smoking hot. You can't do that with a gas range, electric range. Okay. This induction burner technology is really cool. Yeah. And, and they make them big, small. This is a little more of a professional version. Okay. But I've got one at home in the summertime. Cooking something at home, you don't light up the, the gas burner in the kitchen. You do this thing, everything cooks super fast. You don't heat up your house, okay. especially you know, being in pasta in the summer. Yeah. You can get the last you want to do. Or yeah. you get an extension to put it in outside. You cook right outside next to, the, next to the barbie. Yeah, good addition to your kind barbecue cool. kit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's got to have something to do with the, the displacement of the heat, right? Because the heat's evenly displaced on this guy. Yeah, yeah. As, uh, big as, as big as your pot is, the heat's right there. Like okay. with a flame, you get a concentrated heat sometimes in a yeah. certain spot. And electric burners are the worst. Um, this electric induction. Stuff. Okay. And you can get a good one at home for like a hundred bucks. Yeah. Around. The, the price come way down. Okay. And you can take it out, just like you said, so so versatile. Yeah. Yeah. Like we we're saying, going camping, you get an induction or an inverter in your car, you can plug an induction <laughs> up in your <laughs> inverter and you can have just somebody on grill <laughs> duty or well saute duty. Hopefully we'll have them all making uh, some short ribs out there. Well, short ribs on a, on a camping trip. A little, little challenge, you got to bring the cock, crock pot. Yeah, just do the manifold, the manifold <laughs> cooking. <laughs> I can see it. So then the next most important thing, actually, the, the star of the show is the, the, the chuck brisket uh, boneless beef short ribs. You can get bone-in short ribs. Same thing. The cool thing about short ribs is they got a lot of fat. Okay. Um, you can see all this fat on here. That marbling, marbling on meat means fat content content means flavor. So the more fat you have, this way, prime rib, a lot more fat content than a filet mignon. Yeah, therefore, it eats more buttery. It's more just succulent in the mouthfeel. Tenderloin, don't get me wrong, is a great kind of meat, but it, 
side by side, huge difference. So these little streaks of fat in here is what makes it a, a really good, especially really good braising meat, because you need the fat content as it's cooking to help keep everything moisturized. Yeah, so that all kind of leaches out, right? Right. That yeah, fat becomes one with the sauce. Yeah. So these big chunks of fat here, that's just going to melt like butter, become part of the sauce. Fat, fat is flavor. And to extract flavor, you need the simplest of things. Salt and pepper. And for these guys, especially if you have them cut thick like this, almost too much salt is not enough. When you sear it in the pan, some of that salt is going to come off and yeah. into the oil. The salt helps the proteins turn to sugars, which makes a crust. That's called caramelizing. So caramelizing is what gets sweetness and intense flavor out of meat. So pepper, a lot of people say pepper afterwards. I do a little pepper before and after. Both sides. And again, just, you can see that's, that looks like a lot of salt. Thick cut of meat like that and three hours of cooking, that salt just gonna become, become background. It's gonna help with the umami of the whole dish. Yeah, and then searing, right, like if I understand it correctly, kind of helps retain some of the juices that are in there. Right. Right? Yeah, especially if you're going for a, a steak, oh, medium rare, like a filet or, or a ribeye, you get that sear on the outside, the juices can't, can't escape. So then we slice into it, all that fat is retained inside. With this, we're going for more sugars, and, and the fat's gonna leach out because of the slow amount of the slow cooking time. But we're going for the maximum flavor on the outside of the meat. See if this guy's performing. So the searing is the next most important thing. Little blend, this is about 20% olive oil and the rest canola. You wanna not have all olive oil because of the smoking point, smoking point of a blend is, you can approach about 400 degrees, 380. Straight olive oil is about 280. Yeah. It's much too low, so you're, just, you're gonna end up with, with a burnt oil flavor. Yeah. Now you get a little olive oil flavor, but you get that high temp smoking point. When you get hot, and the whole trick is the sear. You want to hear. I hope it, I hope it does it. Oh yeah. Okay. So if you're not hearing that, something's yeah. not going right. Yeah, you want to you want to be talking to you, almost kind of angry talking to you. And once you put in the oil, don't move it. Give it five minutes. Get a nice, nice dark, dark brown crust. You don't want a light brown. You want like a dark roast coffee almost. Uh, that's again bring out sugars, the proteins, and really accentuating the flavors of the meat. Okay. Yeah, and it's funny how you said. You want it talking to you? Because I don't remember if it was you or if it's our mutual friend Garrett, but somebody when I first started, like, if you listen, the food will talk to you. And I've been repeating yeah. that for, for years. Yeah. Uh, well, especially on, on the line. Yeah. In the, in the restaurant situation when we're really busy, you hear something sizzling behind you that means it, something's happening. Yeah, yeah something's, uh -oh. something's <laughs> happening. Hey, help me out. But definitely for, this, for the searing. And uh, it should be bubbling and a little more, a little more angry, but it's going to do its thing. Okay. And you kind of want to set it and oh, set, forget it. You don't want to really move it. Set it and forget it. Yeah. Okay. The more you move it, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to disrupt that whole process. So give it five minutes. You'll hear it. Like I said, it's talking to you. You can do some other stuff. You can cut up your mirepoix, which we can talk about right now. Yeah. Um, you can go grab yourself a glass of wine. Just let it, let it hang out. Flip oh. it over. Same thing. So the, the other ingredients in this dish, mirepoix, carrots, onion, celery, 
little tomato, just put a little more, a little more backbone, a little acidity. I love garlic, so. Oh yeah. We're gonna put a lot of garlic in here. Okay. Probably 15 or 20 cloves for these guys. This is enough for, for two. Um, and then I've got a, a bay leaf, fresh bay. So fresh bay compared to a dry bay leaf. No comparison, especially okay. with some, um, especially with, with steak. Fresh bay, just you crush it once. Ooh, yeah, yeah. It's actually that just released so much, you know, fragrance. Yeah, and it's, 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 this has this has a the flavor of three or four dry leaves. Okay, but it's got that that sweet pungency that yeah. you just can't get from dry leaves. So a couple of these, this is even in the morning. Um, Crush it to release those flavors. A little bit of ginger and some lemon, honey. Okay. It makes it feel like heat. Yeah. It's, it's, fresh bay is really cool, and it grows actually all around here. It's California Bay and Bay Laurel. California Bay, when you crush it, it really knocks your head back. Okay. I was just actually a guest who came through, and I thought it was just Bay Laurel. He said it's a California Bay. So bay Laurel is a little softer, a little more friendly. Okay. It's a California Bay, and you can tell that it's really fits you. Yeah. And this so California Bay, obviously we were in Yeah, well no, this is Bay Laurel. Oh okay. Yeah. So that would be even stronger. Yeah, even yeah. yeah, even more potent than this one. I hope it's still got that 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 hint of sweetness like you were saying. The the, uh, the California one is a little more more spice, more fire to it. Okay. Yeah. And this has that just those floral nuances. Yeah. Man, again it makes a great morning tea. Okay. It's pretty cool. Yeah I can I can imagine it. Yeah. Yeah. But it lends itself really good to, to anything, any beef dish. I put it in with the meatballs. Okay. We do a meatball here. I just put it in with, with the meatballs, chicken broth. It's a little bit different. I just perfume the chicken stock. Yeah. I just you know, leave it floating in there. And when it comes to the table, you can smell it. You're like, what? What is that? And it just adds nice little nuance. Nice. So tell the meat's getting ready when it... When it's not stuck to the pan. Okay. Like it, it'll naturally it lift itself. off. Yeah. Yeah, you can see the edges starting to curl up a little bit. And then... I'm going to bump right there. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. It's pretty sexy. Good, good. Nice. There's that sound effect right there. Yeah. Talking. So anyway, bay leaves. Miracle. Tomatoes, garlic. Um, rosemary, thyme. And then I like to add a little bit of juniper berry. A little star anise. Okay. And a squeeze of, of uh, orange. That's that's part of the backbone, and then chicken stock and red wine. That's what makes the, the broth. Okay. Because the big part of braised short ribs is you have this great broth and you're done. Um, most of the mirepoix is, is discarded afterwards, but the carrots, man, when these guys cook for like three hours in all this, this beefy, flavorful goodness, these are like as good as the meat. Yeah, those are one of the fork tender. Yep. The, the meat comes out, you know, butter soft, and, and these guys, and you're like. Yeah, but it's got a little different flavor than the, than the steak. Obviously, the steak on great. Yeah, but a lot of the other everything else goes bye bye. Okay, that's why these are cut so huge. So they don't disintegrate in three hours of cooking. Once it's kind of hold together. Yeah. So when it's all done, you can fish them out. So soak up that flavor. It's got a nice root vegetable. It's got a lot. Yeah. Uh, some texture. Parsnips. Parsnips. There you go. Parsnips also work really well. Okay. To do some parsnips and carrots. Parsnips have a little more sweetness. It'll change the flavor of the whole dish, but again, it's open for interpretation. Yeah. Yeah, mushrooms are a little more, more earthiness and more dirt. Let's have fun with it. So, we will. A little, little braising pan. Okay. Not what we use at the restaurant all the time, but 
Good, good for home use. Yeah, I can imagine you get a hundred portions out of that. <laughs> so put those in there. And then, because of the size of my pan, you want to brown the mirror pot also. Okay. Again, you're building those layers of paper. Not fun that You use this to say the same concept. You're getting the sweetness out of the vegetables. That more layers of flavor to the base. Okay. And same, same thing, you let these guys go for till till they're golden brown. You give them a little salt and pepper, but remember the salt and pepper is still in the pan to cook the steak. You don't want to overdo it. You know it's add more afterwards, you can't take it out. Salt's crucial for getting this the cooking caramelized on the food. So yeah. Salt those guys heavy. Don't worry about this too much. Okay. You need a lot of flavor. And even at home, you can use the same pan. Yeah, you want to use the same pan because all that, that goodness from the, the beef is stuck in the bottom of the pan. Right. Uh, now you're just getting that on your veggies. And I like to literally... I'm skewed on the right there. Okay. I almost can't too much. Too, too much. Rose, rosemary is a little bit Rosemary times this whole. Just throw those guys straight in there. Just stick it right, right between them. So they're okay. both getting some of the flavor. And then same with the spicy. Sorry, in this. Yeah, again, just adds another different layer of depth and flavor to the whole dish. So a couple of sorry, in this, some juniper, and a couple of these delicious bay leaves. One right on top of each piece of steak. Get it on that one. And Orange juice kind of just something unique, unexpected. It's not a major component of the dish, but it really adds to the, the, the layering, the flavors. Okay. A little bit of sugar helps balance, balance everything and balance. Yeah, yeah. You know, building layers of flavor, that's, that's kind of key. That's a good sound, that steering sound. Talking to us. So once these guys get, again, just keep cooking for a while. Don't disturb them too much. Let it go. Let it go. To expedite things, we get to the uh, the wine part. We should usually cook and have a wine glass in hand also. Okay. We're back in here. Yeah. Sorry, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> okay, for next time. Um, and you can use a, a beef stock, a chicken stock, a vegetable stock. I have some really, really powerful chicken stock and wine, lots of wine, the acidity of the wine cuts the fat and the meat. So okay. when you guys are all really brown, we're jumping heavily. Don't be shy with the wine. Because that's doing more than just deglazing the pan. That's part of the sauce, as you just mentioned. Right. Yeah, that's that's a it's almost almost a 50-50 wine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then it does, it deglazes the pan, gets all those flavors out of the bottom. And you want enough stock to, to definitely cover the meat by about a half half to an, to an inch of liquid. Okay. Because it's going to be production as it cooks. Yeah. For three hours. Bring us to a boil. Put it right on top of our meat. Ooh, that smells delicious. That wine. Yeah, and the it. chicken and everything and those vegetables. It's going to heat up the herbs in there too. Okay. And, all and that then uh, you, want a, you want a good, I think, lid. This one fits really good. 
If you don't have a lid like that, uh, a little parchment and aluminum foil, okay. crimped all the way around. You bought a 275 degree oven, two and a half to three hours. Yeah. From this point on, you cannot mess it up. You really almost can't overcook it. Yeah. Put it in the oven, forget about it, go about the rest of the day, okay. and then think about what you're going to serve it with. Mashed potatoes, polenta. Um, I've got a little uh, etto pasta, some etto trombe pasta. Okay. From Templeton's Etto Pasta Company. Nice. Huge fan. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out. Yeah, shout out to <laughs> dig it. So I'll, I'll bring that out and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, present it. Okay. Where are we doing it? So just a quick recap. Once they get this cooking done, which is literally taking us maybe 15 minutes, they just throw this in the oven and pretty much that's... That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, we were, we were chatting. We could have... Okay. You could have the steak cooking, cutting up your vegetables. Yeah. Man, this, this process, once, once you're used to it, yeah, yeah, it's top. like second nature. And braising such a, a great tool to have yeah. in, your, in your bag. Of and you can do it with, with, with beef. You can do it with chicken. You just don't do it as long. Um, it, it, sausages, yeah, broths. Nice Again, you don't cook it as long. Braising is uh, intimidating. How do I do it? How long does it take? Yeah, a couple simple steps. Get the flavor going, and you can't mess it up. Cool. Yeah. So let's. Uh, We'll clean up this mess, we'll create another mess. That sounds good. All right, groovy. As seen on TV. Yeah. It'll, it'll we'll, we'll take this one. <laughs> Here we are. As seen on TV, the finished part is ta da! Beautiful shorty. Two and, and a half, in there. two and a half hours of cooking. So, I already moved the, removed the other mirror pot. But it's got the uh, the carrots, like I had mentioned, and we just we fish out the the roasted garlic, basically okay. just smooshed on the meat because the garlic's really good too. Oh yeah, like garlic confit in there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, on the right, we're serving it with uh, it's a sort of stroganoff style. Okay. It's properly pasta from Ento, uh, cremini and, and oyster mushrooms, and a little marcella cream sauce. Okay. Pretty pretty light, pretty delicate. Because this meat has a lot of a lot of cojones, a lot of backbone. And you can tell it's done when you basically take your spoon and cut right through it. Okay. Just like that. And, and all that fat that was on there, see how this is a solid, beautiful chunk of meat. All that fat that was on the edge is just rendered off. Yeah. It becomes part of the sauce. Then take a little bit of the sauce. Yeah, that three hours to make. Yep. All I did was, was uh, just basically fish the meat and the carrots out of the broth and then strain the broth. Okay. And that's it. And then for a finisher, again, it's, it's rich. You got a cream sauce. You got a lot of the fat from the, the shorties, the shorties, the short ribs. It's not shorties. Shorties for short. Shorties. <laughs> With a lot of intense flavors. So a okay. little, this is a super simple gremolata. Meyer lemon zest. Green oh, onion really? and parsley leaf. Okay. It's almost a little salad, but it really, it really brightens everything up with each bite. Um, I've always had a food philosophy of playing with your food. Mm -hmm. And so if, this is delicious on its own. You have three bites of the steak and the pasta, and it gets really heavy. Yeah. You're all of a sudden, your palate is kind of like going, oh, I'm tired. So you have a swig of wine, have a few more bites. It's like your palate's going, it's, it's too coated. There's too much protein, too much fat. 
this little salad yeah. gives you a little crunch, a little herb, a little zing of the onion, a little lemon zest, okay. and it brightens up your palate. So, again, playing with your food, every, every bite can be different from the first bite. Okay. You've got a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you keep mixing it up. So acidity, the, the fresh herbs, the crunch of the herbs, and then we got these cool, just they're just uh, basically a confit cherry tomato. Cooked really slow in some olive oil, a little bit of basil, bring in some, some acidity, some brightness yeah. to lighten up your palate as you, as you go okay. through your meal. Nothing worse, and, and especially with risotto, it's a great example. Risotto is cheese and butter, starchy rice, and you get a few bites in, it's really good, and then you're like, ah, oh, yeah. done, but I always do a salad with a really bright vinaigrette with a risotto. Okay. You grab the little crunch and, and you mix it in, yeah, yeah. You, you get some crunch, your palate's clean, you just want to keep eating more. Okay. Yeah. So all, everything, everything here plays a, a crucial role, you kind of, the, I'm just trying to play. A, a little thought behind everything. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's intentional. Okay. Yeah. You want to try some? Oh yeah. Of course. Let's do it. Just snap a quick pick and then. This is my lunch too, so I'm definitely ready. <laughs> yeah, you've been waiting. <laughs> I'm in. Do we have silverware for me? Right there. Okay. Cool. Napkin too. You're gonna need it. Professional style. Oh, fork. Four of tender. Oh, that got out of my right there. Look at that. Oh, yeah. It's good the day after, the day after, and the day after. Okay. Cheers. Well, cheers. <laughs> Dig it. So good. <laughs> and it's one of those set it, forget it type of things? Yeah, and left for leftovers, phenomenal. Uh, make a sandwich out of it. The day after, you cool it off in the broth. Okay. Sets up and gets firm. Heat it up in the broth again. Make a sandwich out of it. A little, you know, some, some, some good, not too crusty bread, but some good bread. A little cheese, a little Dijon for some of that brightness. Mm -hmm. oh. Yeah, man. And that carrot. The carrot's the way to go, huh? A little bit of that carrot. It's almost better than the beef. <laughs> you can't have one without the other. So you can't do just braised carrots and get that flavor. Yeah. You can't do just braised beef and get that flavor. So together, yeah. they're it's good buddies. Not your dad's pot roast. <laughs> yeah. There's, that soaks up all the beef. You get a hint of wine in there. Mm -hmm. like the, that carrot, those carrots are phenomenal. Yeah. And then part of that caramelizing in the pan, too. Getting all that flavor, you get a little. We didn't do it quite as long as we should, but you get that little bit of brownness in the carrot, just, just sweetness, sweetness and flavor. Cool, man. Well, do we have anything else that we want to add about about the shorties or? Like short, drink good wine. I, I dig it. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank um, you. Do we have anything that where people can come find you? Do we? Yeah. Um, Alberto and Cello are, are all over the website, the internet. Um, Alegretto.com, CelloPasaRobles.com, for Instagram, for just my page, uh, Chef Justin Picard. Okay. Um, and you know, that, should, that should sum it up. Should, should yeah. people make reservations before they're coming out? Always make reservations. And how should they do that? Website? Uh, website, open table. Okay. Just pick up the phone. Um, we have current menus on our website. I just, I just did a huge menu change. So right now we're in uh, January of 
2020. 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huge menu change. Trying for, for quarterly or thirdly menu changes since we don't really have four seasons here in Paso. Yeah. But but you know the third every third of the year a nice menu change. Okay. So I just on old one lots of fun lots of fun stuff to check out. Um, the shorties are going to be on there though, right? Shorties are on right now. Okay. Yeah, that's in the menu for this season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you guys are familiar with, with my history and his history because we have history. It was the Robert Stable for, forever. When Robert was the yeah. Uh, and now it's, it's just better. I've tweaked it and oh, yeah. a little better product. And, yeah, I don't want fun. Yeah, dude, it's good. Cool to see things evolve like that. Well, yeah. Thanks, my man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And she can out the way. It's been, a, it's been fun. Let's yeah. do it again. Heck yeah. We'll do a summer show. Always. <laughs> yeah. We can. I mean, this is nice, and and the the herbs on top really brighten it up. But we can do something that's more more light and lively. Yeah. And hopefully the the weather's permitting, and yeah. we can get another outside show. Yeah. Maybe we'll get a, a, a farmer or two. Yeah. We can we can have them come and we'll cook with some of their ingredients and have fun with us. Yeah. I mean that that farm table yep. is super good. It's super good for the environment, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and our location on the east side of town, and there's, there's a dozen farmers I buy from out this way. Yeah. The east side is a little more of the farming area. Okay. Um, and then the seafood from Moro Bay that I've been getting, lots of lots of really good fun stuff. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Until until next time, folks. Come see him. Summertime. Yeah. Come Go. see you soon. Book a reservation. Allegretto.com? Cello Paso? Cello Paso Robles.com? Okay. Or just look up Allegretto. Instagram? Wherever good restaurants Allegretto. A-L-L-E-G-R-E-T-T-O. And I'll put a link to all this in the <laughs> You guys don't have to do any of that hard work. Cool. Thanks, Eddie. Pleasure. Get started. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for watching or listening. Uh, I put links to Justin Picard's social media down in the description. Also, links to Allegretto's website so you can place reservations. You'll find their phone number and address down there. Thanks again, guys, for everything. Please, if you like the episode, comment, share with your friends, or subscribe. Peace.